Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 26. And then we'll be going to Luke chapter 22. As we continue our sermon series on earth as it is in heaven. Today we turn our attention slightly and to look at another aspect of the kingdom of God and its truth. And I believe God wants to speak in particular to our hearts this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 through 29. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, and I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Luke chapter 22 and verse 28. This is the night before the crucifixion and Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, you are those who stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant to you that you may eat and drink and be at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. I want to use for subject this morning the unshakable kingdom. Father, we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to witness the dedication of these beautiful children. And we pray now that you would come and speak to us by your holy and inspired word. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach and preach the word of the living God. And I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the words and receive it with gladness. I pray that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have been talking about the reality of what it means for the kingdom of God to come to earth and for things to be on earth as they are in heaven. And we have, uh, I think, established in our hearts that in heaven there are many good and precious things that God wants to see manifested in our lives on the earth. And in this final chapter of the A life of Jesus just before the crucifixion, 
We see him make a promise to the disciples, one that is encouraging to us as disciples of Christ as well. He says to them, you are the ones who were with me in my trials. And just as my father has given me the kingdom, so I'm going to give the kingdom to you. We talked last week about kingdom authority. We talked the week before about kingdom provision. And so as, he, as we hear him make this promise, it is, uh, ought to encourage our hearts that God has granted us. He has given to us a, a place, a position. He has given us a power that comes from outside of the natural world. It is the kingdom of God, the very manifestation of God's will and purpose in our life. But I have to let you know this morning that there is a cost for discipleship. I guess you already know that, so I'm being kind of redundant. But if you didn't know that, I need to tell you this morning that there is a cost associated with being a disciple. It would be easy if uh, there was no problems for the Christian. If you became a Christian and and you were on easy street for the rest of your life and there were no troubles, that would be easy. That would be awesome. And uh, many people, when they come to Christ, they come into the faith, they come expecting that kind of life. They come expecting the ease and the, the tranquility of life. But the reality is that there is a cost associated with following Jesus. For, uh, for some, the cost is rejecting the world and leaving behind the things that they loved and the things that they have cherished and the, the ways that they knew it might be a, a relationship. It might be a, con- a, a connection. It might be a way of living, a way of making money or a way of getting your needs met. But God says uh, in following Him, there's going to be a breaking away of those things. And so there is a cost in following Christ. At times uh, a husband might come to Christ and his wife remains an unbeliever. And there is a cost in following Jesus in that kind of environment. Sometimes there is a, a wife, most often a wife, comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm a believer, but my husband will have nothing to do with the faith. And there is a cost involved in following Jesus. There is a, at times a children who've given their life to Christ and their parents have rejected them for the sake of the gospel. I remember witnessing the baptism uh, in Australia. I was, uh, as a missionary in Australia, I witnessed the baptism of a Muslim young lady who said uh, that by getting baptized, her father told her, if you get baptized, don't ever come back to Saudi Arabia because the day you do, I'll have you arrested and put to death. There is a cause. To following Christ. Many have discovered that cost. And Jesus says to the disciples. Because you were with me in my trials. Another part of the scripture. We read that those who die with him. Will live with him. And those who suffer with him. Will reign with him. That is the price or the cost. In fact Jesus said to us. Nobody builds a house without first Counting the costs, running the numbers to see whether they have enough money to finish building the house so that when they have started, it doesn't get left undone and halfway. And haven't you noticed there are many Christian lives that are halfway built, that are halfway lived. There are some who have abandoned Christ and the faith midway because they have 
failed to count the cost of discipleship. That's why when you come to the house of God and you know what it's costing you, you don't care if anybody laughs when you raise your hands or or if anybody wonders why you raise your voice because you know what it's costing you. I I don't, I don't mind if you don't get it. I don't mind if you don't shout. I don't know. I can get it if you don't have anything to worry about or worship for, but I know what it has cost me to get this far. I know what it has cost me. Uh, The Lord has brought me from a long way. Somebody Give God praise in his house. He's brought you through. So let the mockers mock and let the critics criticize. You press on because you know what it's costing you. You see, if you go to a fine restaurant where they don't even have prices on the menu, ever been to one of those places? Now, I tend, if I go there, I eat everything. I eat the, I eat the garnish if I have to because I'm paying for this thing. But you know, somebody that doesn't know how much it costs, they, they, they just kind of leave half the plate there and say, well, it was okay salmon, but I don't care if it was dried up salmon. If I paid for it, it was a good salmon, right? Because I know what it cost me. I know the tears. I know the sorrows. I know the breaking points. I know the pressures and I know the faithfulness of a good God. I know the God who is able to to cause me to overcome. Is there anybody who knows what I'm talking about this morning? Tell your neighbor, count the cost. This may not be for you. This may not be for you, but it's for me. I know what it's for me. Jesus said, you were with me in my trials. You were with me through the difficulties and the strain and the testing and the proving and the pushing and the prodding. And so because there's a cost to discipleship, there's also a reward for discipleship. When we read in the scriptures, Matthew 24, verse 13, that he that endureth to the end shall be saved. There's a reward for those who cross the finish line. You know, they don't give gold medals to good intentions. You and I can sit there and say, I am going to win a gold medal in the Olympics in four years. But they don't give good gold medals to good intentions. They give gold medals to those who endure to the end. We read in James chapter 1 verse 12, blessed is the man, blessed is the man, blessed is the man, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11, Jesus speaking, he says, I am coming quickly Hold fast to what you have so that no one takes your prize, so that no one takes your crown, your reward. You know there's a devil out for your reward. So Jesus says, hold on to what you have. Hold on to your faith because uh, we don't want you to lose your crown. Revelation 22 verse 12, he says, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. Did you know that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him? 
I said, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says to you this morning, be not weary in well-doing because in due season you will receive if you faint not. Come on, somebody. How many of you have a due season coming? He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when you face trials, just remember that on the other side of the cross, there's a crown. On the other side of the trial, there is a prize. Now, I want you to imagine this conversation. Scholars tell us that perhaps in the midst of these verses in Luke 22, there is a going on in the spirit realm that we don't read about. But we certainly see the reaction of Jesus. It seems that as though that when Jesus says to the disciples, you are going... To receive the reward of the kingdom. That Satan comes before God. And accuses God. And says. The only reason. That those 12 men. Are following your son. Is because he's promising them. A crown. In other words. If they didn't get a crown. They wouldn't be following. If it weren't because you're good to them, they wouldn't actually serve you. If you weren't good to them this week, they might not even be worshiping you in church. The only reason that Kingsway Church is worshiping you this morning is because you've been good to them. But if you give them a cross instead of a crown, if you give them a tragedy instead of triumph, if you give them adversity instead of advantage, if you give them humiliation instead of honor and disappointment instead of delight, then I'd promise you these disciples will jump ship they'll forget all about amazing grace they'll start singing the old songs of their old life somebody say the devil is a liar the bible said that Jesus just makes this commitment, you're going to have a kingdom. And then immediately something happens that changes his attention. And I believe it's this accusation that comes from the enemy. And Jesus having a prayer meeting in the spirit while he's talking to the disciples. And he turns to Peter and he says, Simon, Simon. Now, I want, to, I want to just draw your attention to this fact. Jesus points out there's 12 guys. He picks out one. He picks out Simon Peter. Why Simon? I'll tell you why I believe he chose Simon. Because uh, really the one who had chosen Simon was the evil one. It was the devil that chose Simon for testing. But the reason is that the enemy chose Simon is because Simon was the pace setter of the apostles. If Simon was on board, everybody was on board. If you're ever a pastor of a church, you're going to learn that. That if you get the Simon Peters on board, everybody else is cool. They're the pace setters. But if the pace setter isn't on board, nobody's on board. If Simon thinks the joke's funny, everybody thinks the joke's so funny. And if Simon thinks it's dry, everybody thinks it's dry. Now, God uh, is pointing out something to us this morning, that the enemy attacks pace setters. 
The enemy attacks because he knows that if he can discourage Simon, he'll discourage everybody else. He knows that if he can take down the pace setter, that he will be taken down all the people that are looking to him. And I just want to tell you this morning that there are some pace setters in this house. I said, there are some pace setters in this house. You see, you've been wondering, why me, Lord? Why is the attack coming to me? Why is the devil lying on me? Why is the enemy hitting me? Why is the devil attacking my finances? Why is the devil attacking my integrity? I'll tell you why. It's not about you. It's about the people behind you that are coming into the kingdom because of you. This is bigger than you. So you see, if you're on top, I had to learn this as a leader. If you're on top, guess who they're going to shoot at? If you're in the lead in your family, guess who they're going to shoot at? The devil knows if I lose track of this guy, he's going to bring his wife and then their children and then their nieces and their nephews and their uncles and their aunts and their mom and their dad. And and before long, I'm going to lose track of this family and I'm going to lose my grip and my control on this situation. So the devil says, I'm going to take down the pace setter. Because if I can silence him, I'll silence them all. If I can rob, if the enemy can rob you of your faith, he'll rob your family of its faith. And, and I'm here to tell you today that you have been targeted by the enemy, not because of how easy you were to target, but because you have something in you that has, has scared the, the devil and has scared hell itself. Are there any pace setters in the house? I said, are there any pace setters in the house? Put your war face on and let's go to war in the name of Jesus. You see, a pace setter doesn't wait to see who else is going to follow. Who else is going to answer the call? Who else is going to say yes to Jesus? The pace setter says, if nobody goes with me, I'm on my way. If nobody helps me, I'll help myself. I've got to go. I've got to go. Tell somebody I've got to go. Come on, tell somebody again, I've got to go. You can be late if you want to, but I have got to go. Just say that, i got to go. You know, when I was, I'm going to tell my brother here for a second. When I was in, in school, he was my ride. Ever have a ride? This ride was not very patient. He had a red hot Mitsubishi GT. And I had thought I was going to go to heaven every morning on the way to school. <laughs> he had to pry me out of the seat. And he would leave me just about every morning because he had to go. And then he had to come back and pick me up. But you know, it's that kind of urgency in some of your hearts that has caused you to abandon the world, the flesh, and the devil. Saying, I've got to go. 
I have received a higher calling. I have seen a greater light. I have heard a greater truth. What you offered me was wonderful and awesome, but I have got to go. I love you, but I've got to go. I, I, I care for you, but I've got to go. I, I'm praying for you, but I have got to go. I've got to go because if I get up there, I'll get you up there with me. If I can break through, then you're going to break through with me. Come on, pace setters. Give God some praise in the house of God this morning. Simon, Simon. Satan has picked you. He's targeted you. He desires to sift you as wheat. Now, probably no one here has ever sifted wheat. So I'm going to give you the explanation of that term long before the machinery by which we cultivate grain today there was the sifting process they would harvest the wheat and they would bring it up to a high place generally a hill hilltop where there was a slab a stone it's called a threshing floor and sifting involved three parts it involved crushing they would crush the wheat to separate the, the seed and the, and the wheat from the chaff and the stalk. And then after they had crushed it, they would agitate it. They would stir it up, shake it down. And then they would throw it into the air. And someone had a big fan and they would create a blast of wind. And when the wheat went up into the air... The heavy, the, the heavy part was the wheat. That was the part they were going to make into flour. That would come down and the chaff would be carried off by the blast of the wind. And so Jesus tells Simon not a very good bit of news. He says, Satan has targeted you to sift you like wheat. He wants to crush you. He wants to break you down. I told you last week that the devil hates you, right? He wants to break you down and and he wants to agitate you. He wants to shake you up. Have you ever been broken down? Have you ever felt like all of life just caved in on you? And then he wants to shake you up. Ever felt shooken up? Maybe by a near-death experience or a traumatic uh, occurrence that just shook you to the very core of your being. He wants, to, he wants to break you down in your faith and break you down in your spirit and break you down in your confidence in God. And He wants to break down your marriage and break down your relationship with your children and break down your finances. And He wants to shake you up and He wants to stir you and rattle your chain and make you think that you are broke, that you're bankrupt, that you're ruined, that you have lost. And and then he wants to put that blast of wind through your life to cause you to blow away and to say, ha, you see God, this disciple of yours wasn't actually weak. He's actually a tear. He's fake. He's a phony. Now, 
I told you Satan was targeting Simon, but really, who was Satan targeting? He was targeting God. Because if he could get Simon to deny Christ, he could discredit God. There are three objectives of the enemy for your life. He wants to discredit God. He wants to discourage your faith. And he wants to destroy your brothers. Let me give that to you again. Number one, he wants to discredit God. He's saying, God, their praise isn't real. Let me shake them up. And we'll see what kind of praise they've got. Let me break them down. And we'll see what kind of real spiritual metal is on the inside. Let me, let me put them in the storm and cause the wind to howl against their life. And let me see if there's really a real praise on the inside of them. But you see, what the devil didn't know and doesn't seem to know is that we have been given the kingdom of God. That the spirit of God dwells on the inside of us. And that the kingdom of God is an unshakable kingdom. I'm going to break them down. I'm going to shake them up. I'm going to blow them away. Ever been sifted? I have a good idea that some of you are being sifted right now. Am I wrong? Did I miss it this morning? I have a good idea that you are being sifted right now. And if you're not being sifted, I have a good idea that the person who's leading you is being sifted. You should ask me a question. Say, Pastor, how are the leaders of our church doing? I'll say to you, they're being sifted. You see, because while... While you celebrate and you rejoice and you, you carry the glory of God in your life Sunday morning, the people who God has called to lead, the Simon Peters, the pace setters of Kingsway Church, are being buffeted by the enemy. They're being buffeted by, by Satan because he's trying to discredit God. He's trying to discourage faith and he's trying to destroy your brothers. So the sifting comes. But. But. Jesus said Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to break you down. uh, break, uh, Break you down and shake you up and blow you away. But. You know, that's my favorite conjunction in all the Bible. Because in Isaiah, the Lord says, you have come under my wrath and you will see my judgment. But, but now I have called you my son. 
Romans chapter 7, Paul ends by saying, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I, I don't do the things I want to do, and I, I do the things I ought not to do. But then he begins in chapter 8, and he says, But now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Has but ever saved your life? But God, I should have died. But God, I should have gone down. But God, I should have been destroyed. But God showed up in my life. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel without hope and without God in the world. But now we have been brought near through the blood of his cross. Somebody thank God for the grace of Jesus. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but but I have prayed for you. You see, this thing all went on in a second in the spirit world. Simon was just getting over the fact he was about to get a kingdom. He doesn't even know what the sifting is going to be. He doesn't even know that in a few hours he's going to deny Jesus three times and say, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. He doesn't know that in a few days he's going to escape to Galilee and go back to the old life and the old way he knew because he's come under pressure and he's come under testing and the man he staked his hope on is dead. But I'm here to tell you, church, that Jesus told Simon before the test started, I have prayed for you. I have interceded for you. We see here the great and extraordinary intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the high priest of the believer. He is the representative of, of God, uh, before God for men. He is the one that stands between you and an all just and wrathful God and saves you and I from his wrath and gives us his mercy and his grace and brings us into sonship. We see a picture of Jesus in Numbers chapter 16. When the tribe of, or the people of the tribe of Korah and Levi came against Moses and listened to God's words. God said to Moses, get out of the way so I can kill him. It's not the God you read about in Sunday school, is it? But that is the righteousness of God. Don't ever forget that you and I serve a righteous God. And these re this rebellion came against him and he said, get out of the way, Moses. I'm going to kill these people. And the Bible said that Moses gave the priest a command and he went and he took coals out of the, of the altar which represents the cross and he put them into the, in, into the incense carrier and he came, he came and number 16 said that he stood between the dead and the living. Can I tell you, 2,000 years ago Jesus came to the cross and he stood between the dead and the living and he made intercession for us. Come on, somebody. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he was talking about me. He was talking about you. He was standing in the place of intercession. 
Somebody prayed for me. The old song said, somebody touched me. I was just minding my own business. I was on my knees in prayer. I was uttering my prayers of petition to God. And all of a sudden, the invisible hand of my father came down and reminded me that I wasn't praying alone. That there was somebody praying with me. And his name is Jesus, the high priest of my confession. One night we were on the Amazon River. The Amazon is about a mile wide in some points. And it was raining. It was very little visibility. And the lights on the, on the Peke Peke were, were a flashlight. And the, the, uh, the missionary comes and sits next to me. He says, this is very dangerous. I said, I know. He said, look, if the, if the boat goes under, swim to one of the sides. This is a mile wide, Brother George. We got through that ordeal. The next couple of days, we called home talking. My brother Anthony was talking to my father, and my mom interrupted the phone call because moms can do that, you know. And she said, let me talk to them. Grabbed the phone. What went on the other night? Nothing. Something went on. The Lord woke me up to pray. I'm so glad somebody was praying for me. Is there anybody in here that's glad that somebody was praying for you when you were down in the dumps, when you were ruined and wrecked, when you were shooting up and snorting? Somebody was praying for you. Somebody was standing in the gap. Somebody was saying, Lord... Save them. Lord, redeem them. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody that's been prayed for? Hallelujah. Well, can I tell you that if you forget to pray, and if mama forgets to pray, and if pastor forgets to pray, we have an intercessor. We have a high priest. And he has connections. He is the son of the living God. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty of God on high. And he ever liveth to make an accession for you. I have prayed for you today. Jesus speaks to you by his spirit. He says Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. In Samuel chapter 17, we see the story of a little shepherd boy named David, just a boy. He's watching his father's flock. And a lion came and snatched one of the sheep. I don't know, but when I was about 14, and if I had seen a lion take a sheep, I would have just said, minus one. You can't win them all, Dad. But David was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the intercessor of the sheep. The Bible said, David said, when I saw that lion, I leaped into action. I ran after that lion. I took him by the beard and I slew him and I slayed that lamb. He wasn't just talking about a little lamb in Bethlehem. He was talking about your soul and my soul who he ripped out of the jaws of death and hell and saved for eternal life. Come on, come on somebody and give God praise because he stood up for you. You are covered. I said you're covered. You're covered by the blood. You're covered by the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before Satan could even hatch the plan to get Peter into trouble, Jesus had already prayed for him and spelled the outcome of the trial. Here's... When we come to the Bible says, he told Peter, when you come back. That means I'm coming back. That means this thing isn't over. When you are converted. Help your brothers. Stabilize your brothers. You see, Satan was after God. He's after you, but he's also after your brothers. That's why you can't quit this morning. That's why you don't have time to play games. That's why you don't have time to lose time. Because this is bigger than you. This is about your brothers. Saying if they can make it, I can make it. If they can get out, I can get out. If they can survive, I'm going to survive. If they can overcome, I can overcome. You see, there's somebody behind you that hell's trying to get out, but you are standing as a pace setter, and God is saying to you, the devil is not going to win. He is going to lose this battle, and the glory will be to God. When you are converted, when you make it back, Help your brothers. What does that word mean? Literally, it means stabilize your brothers. Now, here's what I want you to see. The devil thinks that when he breaks you down, shakes you up, and tries to blow you away, that he's hurting you. And that's usually what we think. I lost that job. I lost that car. I lost that friend. But what Hebrews tells us this morning is that the sifting actually removes everything that you didn't need. He says, for then again I say, 
that a time has come in which I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. So that the things that are movable will be removed. And the things that are immovable will remain. Satan thought he was hurting you, but he was actually helping you. Because when he sifted you, he got things out of your life that didn't belong there anyway. And he allowed you to see that what really mattered, what really counted, was in the inside of you because you have received an unshakable kingdom. I want to ask you to stand right now. And just for the sake of it, let's give God one of those praises that proves to the devil I'm not playing around I'm not playing around I have counted the cost I know where I'm headed come on give God one of those praises come on Kingsway come on stir up your spirit Give God worship that comes from the depths of your soul. It says, I've been shaken, but I haven't been broken. I've been shaken up, but I stand firm. I have a rock. There's a praise on the inside of me. The devil thought when he, when he messed with you that he was going to get you to curse God. Bless the Lord anyhow. Bless the Lord right now. Come on, where's the voice of the church? Where's the voice of the church? If you've been sifted, I want you to know that Jesus is praying for you. Won't you just come into this altar and just build up your faith in the Lord? Because that's what hell is after. Hell is after your faith. I have prayed for you that your